I can tell by looking at you, you are excited about what's coming next. And what's coming next is Romans chapter 15. I'd love to encourage you to join me there. We have been studying through the 15th chapter of Romans, verse by verse. With this awareness and understanding, we must be wholehearted in our pursuit of holiness. That sounds like a very churchy phrase, but it is a fact for believers. We must be pursuing holiness. We must also ever and always be passionate about the cause of Jesus Christ. But here's the truth. We are prone to failure. We are prone to weariness. In our spiritual journey, it is easy for us to become fatigued. It is easy for us to get off course. And what the Apostle Paul, in my estimation, communicates to us in the 15th chapter of Romans is his capacity, his recipe, as it were, for remaining wholehearted in his pursuit of holiness and passion for the cause of Christ in spite of all of the difficulties that he encountered in his ministry. And today we're going to study a segment of verses that I think is incredibly practical and helpful, relevant for believers just like you and I. And I'll begin reading in verse 20. If you don't have your Bible, those verses will be available here on the screen. And I'm going to warn you what it is going to sound like is Paul is just communicating his travel itinerary. It is going to seem like it is just a lot of data about his travel, but what I think he is revealing is truly his passion, and he's going to teach us something invaluable, spiritually speaking. In verse 20, the apostle is writing to believers in Rome, and he says this, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journeys, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I may be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem. To minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily. And their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I'm sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. That is him sharing his heart with the believers at Rome. What we are hearing him do is make plans. But what he is revealing to us is what he is genuinely passionate about. Did you note in verse 20 he said, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel? That word strived communicates this is what I love. This is what I honor, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was the honorable love of his heart. This was the passion of his life. This was his ambition. His obsession was 
The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the great commission to every believer, which is to take the gospel to a lost world. Paul is revealing that to us. In fact, as he writes to the believers at Corinth, he states it explicitly in 2 Corinthians 10, 16, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our mind and hand. Think about what he is communicating. When you ask somebody what they are passionate about, you learn a lot about that individual. In fact, even as you are seated here, you can ask yourself in your mind, you can answer right there in your heart, and you can assess your spiritual existence by answering, what is it that you are passionate about? When the Apostle Paul articulates his dreams... When the Apostle Paul articulates and communicates his plans, they are all structured around that which he is passionate about, the communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He desires to communicate the gospel to the untold millions still untold. It is what motivated him. In fact, when we get to verse 21, he writes, as it is written, what he's saying there is, and you've heard this before, What he is referencing is scripture to him that would have been Old Testament. And here he quotes from Isaiah when he says, To whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Basically what the Apostle Paul is communicating is this, Whatever it is that I do, whatever it is that I undertake, I plan to be in the middle of God's cause. I plan to be right in the middle of what God is doing. If you were to ask me what was one of the secret integers to the effective missionary ministry of the Apostle Paul, I would say to you it was his ability to dream. Now that sounds silly. But I do think at times we fail to engage in the work of the Lord because we lose our vision, we lose our passion, we stall out because we cease to make plans to serve the Lord. And the Apostle Paul is not just dreaming his own dreams and chasing down his own ambitions. He sets the tone in the 32nd verse when he says that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God. Plan... But don't become a slave to that plan. Make certain that you are always submissive to the will of God. We don't chase down our own dreams. We don't try to build empires. We don't try to exalt our own name. We want to be in the middle of what God is doing, always surrendered to the will of God. The will of God is what drives us. The will of God is what drove the Apostle Paul. In the book of Acts, Paul is reacting to the concern of a certain group of believers. He is preparing to go to Jerusalem, which we just read him planning out here in Romans chapter 15. He is planning to take an offering to the believers at Jerusalem, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But he is made aware that if he undertakes this journey and he goes to Jerusalem, he is going to encounter persecution. In fact, a prophet by the name of Agabus actually comes down from Judea and communicates explicitly to the Apostle Paul that if he goes on this journey to Jerusalem, he will be arrested. Listen in Acts 21 and verse 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, And bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus 
saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now I know as a student of the Bible and as a first time reader of that, you're thinking, so you're telling me a prophet came and took Paul's girdle. Can we please study that part? No. I have no idea how he got it. I don't know if it was laying out. I don't even know why he took it and bound himself, but I do know this. What he was communicating was, the man who owns this girdle, if he goes to Jerusalem, is going to be arrested by the Jews there. And this was a verifiable prophecy. And so the believers that are gathered around Paul are saying to him, we've heard your plans. We know that you desire to go to Spain, and we know that you want to see the believers in Rome, and we grasp that you are under pressure to go to Jerusalem. But are you aware, if you do what you have to do next, which is go to Jerusalem, you are going to be arrested? In fact, in verse 12, when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him. They're begging him, don't go to Jerusalem, Paul. And Paul responds in verse 13, what mean ye to weep? And to break mine heart. For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Now let's call a timeout. Paul has just articulated his plans, has he not? I really long to go to Spain. And I have many years wanted to come see you believers in Rome. At this present moment, I have to go to Jerusalem, and when he is told you'll be arrested there, here's what he says. I am not only ready to be bound at Jerusalem, I am also ready to die at Jerusalem. Now, if he just said, I really want to go to Spain, and I really long to see you believers in Rome, but at the same time, I am willing to die at Jerusalem, doesn't that seem counterintuitive? No. The fact is, he is planning to do the work of the Lord, but he is not submissive to his own plans, ambitions, and goals. He is ever and always submissive to the will of God. And if the will of God was to stop at Jerusalem, so be it with the Apostle Paul. That is incredibly valuable for us to understand. Because oftentimes, the reason that we are stymied in our pursuit of holiness and our passion for the cause of Christ is because things don't go according to our plans. And I say to you, don't be set back by the setbacks. Always be willing to navigate life submissive to the will of God. So Paul, without awareness, how did you navigate life and ministry so wholeheartedly? I believe he did it by, as we've already touched on, planning to work. Just note three phrases in here. In verse 23, he says to the believers at Rome, for a lot of years, I have wanted greatly to come to you. In verse 25, he says this, but right now at this moment, I am on my way to Jerusalem to minister to them. In verse 28, he says, I want to go to Spain. He has short-term goals, he has long-term goals, and he has immediate pressing needs. I love what one commentator said, Paul never rested on his oars. He never sat back to rest. Time was too short. The task was too great. The laborers too few. The issues too grave. Are you aware that not one of us has the freedom to merely spectate in the cause of Jesus Christ? 
None of us can call prolonged timeouts and disengage from doing the work of the Lord, but far too many of us have. The Apostle Paul, having accomplished everything that he accomplished, was still striving, as he said, to preach the gospel of Christ where it had not been preached. He was not checking out. He was not a servant to every need that arose. He was desperately willing to submit to the will of God. And I find this in our lives. There is a lot that draws on our attention. There is a lot that demands our focus and our effort and our energy. And I want to say to you, need is not a dictator of what we must do. And opportunities that arrive are not always obligations to fulfill them. We must pursue the things which matter most to God. I love to read about Charles Spurgeon. He pastored in London a long time ago. And by a long time ago, I mean none of you were alive, maybe one or two, but you can't hear me anyway. Spurgeon was writing, and he received a letter from a wealthy man to come to his country church in order to help them raise funds so that the church could pay a debt. And the man wrote a letter to Spurgeon, and he said to him, We want you to come down and we want you to speak to help us raise money to pay this debt that exists at our church. You can stay at my country home if that's what you desire. You can even stay closer to the church in my townhouse. Or if you want to get away, you can stay in my seaside home. Spurgeon wrote back and said, Sell one of the places that you own and pay the debt yourself. I'm not coming. You say, well, isn't that mean? Here's the fact. He had work to do that mattered greatly. And a need that arose wasn't a must for him. And an opportunity to speak somewhere did not become his obligation. I am saying to you, we have to plan, but we cannot become slaves to our plans. We must always be submissive to the will of God. And by the way, none of Paul's objectives that are outlined in here turned out the way he thought they would. Not one of them. In fact, in verse 22, did you note that he said this, I really have desired to come see you in Rome, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. It has been my desire, if I had my druthers, I would immediately pause and I would sail to Rome to be where you are. But my path has been hindered. That word indicates cutting a ditch in the middle of the road. It was a military word. If you wanted to stop an oncoming army, you would create large ditches in the road so that their travel would be impeded and they'd have to fill the ditch before they could continue their journey. And Paul is saying, it is in my heart to come to Rome. But every time I want to undertake the journey to come to Rome, there's another ditch in my road. There's another impediment along the way. There's another need that arises, not to mention the beatings and the hardships and the shipwrecks that he experiences along the way, nor the times where the Holy Spirit directly told him no. The Apostle Paul just wanted to preach the gospel. That's a good thing, isn't it? But at times, the Holy Spirit would say no to him. In fact, in Acts 16, when he had traveled, the Bible says, throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. All he wanted to do was go to Asia and told the untold millions about Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit said, no. He continues his journey, and the Bible says, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. I say to you, again, plan to work. But don't be set back by the setbacks because we are submissive to the will of God and we are always aware of His sovereign plan. 
Too many people are stymied in the work of God because things aren't going according to their plans. How many of you are at an advanced enough age to just settle in your heart? Nothing works out like you thought it would. Right? Right? I think sometimes, and it sounds terrible coming from me because I'm a pastor and everything in my life is supposed to be 10 out of 10. Well, it's not. And I think to myself, when I was still in the dreaming stage, and I thought, when I am 45, and that, that's now, that's, that's how old I am, what do I want my life to look like? Where do I want ministry to be? I don't know that it looked just like this. You say, are you disappointed? No, I'm just saying most of life, right, has impediments, Most of life has setbacks and challenges and too many believers are stymied in doing the work of God because things just aren't going according to their plan. Don't be set back by the setbacks. Plan to work. And then note this, patiently wait on God's timing. Notice what he says in verse 23. But now, having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever, whenever the time comes that I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. Did you note the phrase, I have a great desire these many years to come to where you are, and God just won't let me. All I want to do is come to see you in Rome. By the time he actually arrives in Rome, they'll have to come all the way out to a place called the Three Taverns to meet him. It's in the book of Acts. When he arrives there, he doesn't arrive as a pioneer missionary. He arrives as a prisoner. All he wanted to do was go to Rome to where those believers were. All he wanted to do was to help them be edified in the word of God. And God kept telling him, no, the desire of his heart continued to be put off. I love what one pastor wrote. If you are under the impression that the closer a person walks with God the more likely his plans will pan out, you are in for a big surprise. If you believe that obeying the Lord guarantees a life without interruption and disruption, you had better buckle up because you are in for the ride of your life. He wrote, you may never have so much trouble. You may never be in as much trouble. You may never create so much trouble as you will when you live with an obsession to advance the name and glory and gospel of Jesus Christ. All he wanted to do was a good thing. And all he did was endure the setbacks. God knew that Rome was in the heart of the Apostle Paul. God knew that Spain was in the heart of the Apostle Paul. But Paul had to learn to patiently wait for God's timing. Whenever I go to Spain, I will pass by Rome and I will spend time with you there. You see, the arrival is everything to us. But in fact... The journey is everything to God. God is more interested in the process that he is working for us than the prize that we are chasing down to attain. And I believe that God is as interested in doing a work in us as he is in doing a work through us. It's just we're more interested in him doing something through us. Here's the reality. We have to plan to work, submissive to the will of God, patiently waiting for God's timing, and in the meantime, pursuing what's directly in front of us. Notice this in verse 25. But now, but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. 
Now, I say that with a little sting. But now, I have to go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. I want to go on vacation, but now I have to work since I just got back from vacation. That's actually how I feel. I want to go here, but now I have to do this. I don't mean that he's saying that in a snarky way. What he's communicating is this. I long to go to Spain. I will come to Rome. I have greatly desired to do that for years. But at this present moment, there is something that I must focus on. I have to take this offering from the believers in Macedonia and Achaia to the believers that are in Jerusalem. Now just stop for a second. This is historical context. The believers that are in Jerusalem are under great persecution. In fact, history would even tell us there's famine in the land of Judah at this time. They're being persecuted for being Christians by the Sanhedrin and even by Rome itself. And the fact is, they were out of work, they were out of jobs, there were people that had come to Jerusalem, that had come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and were staying there, they were poverty-stricken. And it is absolutely stunning that believers, Gentile believers in Macedonia and Achaia had taken up an offering. They had taken up a contribution. They were giving a gift to the believers in Jerusalem that were stricken by poverty, enduring this persecution. And that's stunning. The Apostle Paul says, at this present moment, something is pressing on me that I have to do. I have to seal. That means I have to make sure that this offering makes it to the believers in Jerusalem and that its integrity is kept intact. And he is celebratory because, listen, we understand classism and we grasp racism. I don't know that we've even seen the vitriol like that existed between the Gentiles and the Jews. And the Apostle Paul references in this letter, these Gentiles are debtors to the Jews because without the gospel coming to and through them, it would have never gone to them. And I myself, Paul, am enabled by the believers at Jerusalem even to undertake my missionary journeys. And so now these Gentiles, think of how amazing it is, the transformative gospel of Jesus Christ to take a group of Gentiles who would not have wanted anything to do with these Jews, and now they're actually financially joining in. They're sharing in this load with them. I am saying to you what Paul is communicating is this. Here's what I long to do. Here's what I want to do, and I have to wait on God. But while I wait on God to give me those things that I really want, there is something that I must do right now. Focus on what is in front of you. You know how many people I encounter who are dreaming about the opportunity to arise where they will finally be able to do something for God? When we get here, we'll be able to serve. When we reach this phase, when we have this extra money, which is a complete misnomer that nobody told me about in my 20s, this extra money thing, I keep waiting for it. It hasn't arrived. If you have some, let me have some so that I can understand that feeling. And here's something else I note. Not only are there those of us or individuals who long for some shift to take place, and that's where their heart is, and while they wait for that change to take place, they're idle and doing nothing. I have also found there's a group of people who long for that which once was. I just wish we could rewind the tape to when everybody was happy and free. You realize we called the 30s the Great Depression. I don't want to go back to that. War-torn middle century. 
I don't really want to return to that. But there was a day in the church when everybody just did what God said and everybody showed up and everybody served. No, there wasn't. They're just like us. And so many people long for what once was that they are stymied and they are not doing what is right in front of them. And others long for something to shift or change or that next step to come. And then they'll engage. And in the meantime, they're doing nothing at all. You can't check out just because things aren't the way you want them to be. Those two words, but now, indicate an urgency in the heart of Paul. Here's what I want to do. I want to go to Spain. I want to go to Spain. I want to go to Rome. You want to go to Rome. But at this present moment, I have to take an offering back to Jerusalem. A thousand miles the other direction. Literally a thousand miles the other direction from where I want to go because this is what God has for me now. Serve where you are planted. Be where you are. And when God moves you, which you are patiently waiting for, Get after it there. But in the meantime, pursue what is right in front of you. I watch so many people set back by the setbacks that they don't do anything. You say, now what are you doing? You're rallying an army of people to be involved at Graceway? No. What I'm saying is you don't have the opportunity, you don't have the option, you don't have the freedom to be idle in the cause of Christ at any stage of your spiritual journey. And if you have checked out for a time, simply longing for what once was, or waiting for that which is to come, I say to you, you're failing to focus on that which is right in front of you. Be where your feet are and do something. Be involved in the cause of Christ. And here is the attitude check with it. It arrives in verse 29. Persist with assurance. Notice what he writes. And I want you to listen to this verse and focus in on how optimistic the Apostle Paul is. And I am sure, that's pretty optimistic, that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. How do you know that? You don't know what tomorrow holds, the Bible says. No. But here's what Paul is saying. I do know. I do know that when I get to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. When I arrive where you are, I will be blessed. He is persisting through life with the assurance that God is in control, and because of that, he will be blessed. Now, let me historically walk you through like nine chapters of the book of Acts. And people panic, right? You're like, nine, dude, it's 11.44. I know what time it is. And I don't care. No. Here's what happens in Acts 21. The Apostle Paul is going to arrive at Jerusalem with this offering. Is he doing a good thing? Yes. I mean, he has brokered peace through the Holy Spirit and the gospel between the Gentiles and the Jews. He's bringing this offering back. And when he arrives in Jerusalem in Acts 21 to bring this offering back, the religious Jews, the Sanhedrin, come out and they beat him to a pulp. The Roman garrison has to intervene and take him back to the barracks to save his life. By the time you get to Acts 22, he's on trial before the Sanhedrin and he's condemned to death. The Roman soldiers intervene again and rescue him. By the time you get to Acts 23, 24, 25, and 26, Paul is transferred to Caesarea 
where he remains in prison for two years, and he appeals to give his testimony to Nero, and he's granted that appeal. In Acts 27, we are seeing Paul under guard. And finally, he is setting sail for Rome, Acts 27. And if you're a student of the Bible, you know this was not a pleasant journey. Because on this sail to Rome, his ship is torn apart at sea by a fierce storm, and they're shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. By the time you get to Acts 28, Paul finally makes it to Rome, and he's placed under house arrest. Ultimately, he will be martyred there. Now, that's not sounding like the blessing of the gospel of Christ to me, is it you? I mean, when you're dreaming your dreams and you're planning your plans and you're thinking about all the untold millions in Spain and arriving in Rome to gather with these believers and taking care of this offering, you are not at that moment in time thinking, what I can't wait for is a whipping I'm going to take in Jerusalem. What I'm really psyched about is imprisonment in Caesarea. You know, I've never tried shipwreck. Might give that a shot. And while I'm shipwrecked, why not get bit by a poisonous serpent? Sounds like a good plan. When I arrive in Rome, what I'm really looking forward to is arriving there in chains. That's what I'm psyched about. How can somebody know years in advance that they are going to arrive and the blessing of the gospel of Christ? It's not because they attach the blessing of God to the success of their plans. It is because they attach the blessing of God to their awareness of his sovereignty. Paul wrote the book of Philippians from jail. The theme of the book is joy. And I want you to listen. I know you know these verses, what he writes. I have learned. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. True optimistic thinking does not always imagine a happy outcome. True optimistic thinking is living in submission to Christ. Realizing that no matter where, no matter what, they will always be in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Difficulties, chains, critics, and Paul still wrote, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and I therein do rejoice. Yes, I'm in prison. Yes, I've endured beatings. Yes, people are criticizing me. Yes, they're questioning my motives. But I have died to myself. I've put myself on the shelf, and I only want Christ to be glorified. That's why he would say, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We are miserable in our spiritual journey. Not because the world is too dark and sin is too wicked. And not because regimes have changed and cultures different. And not because anything other than we have not planned to work in submission to the will of God, patiently waited for God's timing while we pursue what's in front of us and persisted with the assurance that whatever comes, I know that I can be okay and have the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I know, as I referenced earlier. Nobody's plans have gone according to plan. Not all of our dreams have been accomplished. But as someone wrote, the Lord orders the steps of a good man, and he orders the stops as well. When we say that we believe that God is truly sovereign, we are saying that I don't believe that God really owes me an explanation for any of the steps 
or any of the stops. But a lot of people have ceased to engage in the work of God and have ceased to pursue holiness because they have grown resentful and bitter because they've had a step or two or a stop or two that God has not explained to them. But when we believe truly in the sovereignty of God, we release that expectation. Our lives no doubt involve experiences and challenges that we never expected to face. Paul never expected, you heard him dream out loud here in Romans 15, riot, beatings, shipwreck, snake bites. He never imagined cold nights in the cell, but the fact is, he could have looked at the Lord and say, how does this make any sense? Never did. There is never an ounce of resentment in the Apostle Paul. All he ever says is, I'm ready. I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to pardon, be with Christ, which is far better, which for the Apostle Paul really was far better. But I am willing to stay here because I know it's needful for me to be here and minister to you. Wherever I'm at, I'm okay. You see, God only distributes grace as we need it. He doesn't give it to us in advance. I think if you told Paul everything, he'd still have gone because he rested in the will of God. Don't make the mistake of believing that God's blessing always equals smooth sailing. That you're going to live life with no ruts in the road. The exact opposite could be true. And the sooner that we learn this, the sooner that we will be wholehearted. The sooner that we can go all out. The less fatigued in our spiritual journey we will be. Stop trying to make everybody happy and just please the Lord. That is a freeing thing. Stop trying to fulfill every plan to the nth degree. Surrender to the will of God. Because God does change things at times. Patiently wait for his timing. Focus on what's right in front of you. Persist with some assurance and rejoicing in your heart and peace in your mind that God is in control. I love what one pastor wrote on this text. He said this, God does not always defend his decisions, but he asks that we surrender to him anyway. God does not always provide answers for life's interruptions, but he asks that we trust him in spite of them. God does not always explain his unexpected plans, but he asks that we rely upon him as we go through them. I know because I am churchy. My father was a pastor. That means I am a veteran churchy person. I'm not new to the church game. If you've done that at church, I have also done that at church. If you've heard it preached against I have also heard it preached against. If you know what everything means in a church, as do I. I'm really churchy. I have been down every road you can go down within the church. And here is a fact. It is possible for me to do nothing. It's possible for me to look at other people and to look at other places and to look at things that have come up and to say, I'm out want any part of this. And we begin to focus on people and we begin to focus on places. And here's what the apostle Paul does. Here's all he says to us. I have been wholehearted in ministry. Let me articulate to you my plan. I know I want to get to Spain. There are people there that don't know Jesus. I have for many years wanted to come to you in Rome. And in fact, if I'm ever going to make it to Spain, I have to stop in Rome so that you can financially enable me to get there. At this present moment, I have to go to Jerusalem, and Agabus has already told me I'm going to be bound there. To be honest with you, I'm ready to die at Jerusalem if that's what the Lord wants. He's not worried about who's there to receive him. He's not worried about the council that he stands before. He's not worried about what Peter's doing up at Jerusalem. He's not worried about what John or Philip are doing on their journeys. All he knows is this. 
This is what God's given me to do, and I'm going to pursue it with reckless abandon. All I know is I'm going to answer to what I'm doing now, and I want to serve the Lord. Take our eyes off other people, because it's easy to be disgusted. It's easy to grow fatigued. It's easy because we're prone to wander in sin to just come back to the Lord and confess and serve him wholeheartedly. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.